you're here. Aren't you? Yes, Bart. I never left you. What do you want from me? You'll see. After the surgery... Ah! You're crazy! Am I? Well, perhaps we're all a little crazy. I know I am. I went mad after they tore us apart. But I'll be sane once I sew us back together. But you'll kill both of us! No! It's easy. Look! I've been practicing. I made a pigeon rat. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review the first episode of Season 8. It is Treehouse of Horror 7. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Normally people would take a break when they move from one season to another, but as we have proven time and time again, we have nothing better to do with our lives and are here to start afresh. Not even a newborn child could stop me. No, it stopped you from pumping out some of the extra content. Where's our Jurassic Park review? <laughs> Dude, it's seriously nearly done. It's went for so long. It's, it's, it's hard to like sort of edit three different people. Busy with side projects. And I don't <laughs> mean your kid, but I mean your little YouTube channel that you've decided to start up and start promoting and just left Mitch out in the cold. No, no, you're not left out in the cold. I'm Now, do you want to know why I've started this, right? Because I feel like I want to get movie guys onto YouTube, right? So I Should we tell of- people what you've started before you say why? Okay, so I've started this separate thing called Nerd Daddy. It's a YouTube show where I involve Ali in as many videos as possible, where I am unboxing products from work because I figured I get access to the products at work before the public do. And I've been given the permission to go ahead and take them home and unbox them and put them on YouTube, which means that people will be coming to me first, hopefully, eventually. That'll be the thing. Oh, Dando gets stuff before everyone else. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be unboxing products, reviewing products. I'm going to be, you know, we can do top 10s. When I say we, I mean you and I. We can do top 10s on there. All geek-related stuff that's not Simpsons-related. And I figured yep. the movie guys could be a, a like a playlist, like a series that's under the Nerd Daddy channel. Because I don't want to sort of put onto the Four Finger Discount channel because that's sort of just Simpsons. I want to sort of segregate the Four Finger Discount from being... The movie guys thing as well. I want to make movie guys its own thing, if you know what I mean. Oh, of course I know what you mean. And I think it deserves to be because it's excellent. If I can say so that about something that I'm involved in. It's excellent because of Guy Davis, not because of myself. Oh, Guy is fantastic. So I figured we'll create a separate geek-based channel where we can put all of that kind of stuff onto it, which I think the listeners would really like to check out as well. Well, we can only hope. Outside of that, <laughs> uh, people may pick up on the fact that uh, the usual spark between us is... Maybe a little bit different, maybe a little bit stilted. It's because I've been kicked out of the family abode and I'm speaking to Dando via Skype this yeah, evening. Yeah, well, I, I, it wasn't my decision. It was Nicola's mum's decision. She she met you last week and she didn't like the vibe, so she said, I don't want him back in the house whilst I'm here. So mm-hmm. A little bit too eager to get there during the <laughs> breastfeeding, uh, I believe, was the feedback. And <laughs> I, I have to say that I'm, I can't disagree. I'm not the sort of man that a baby should be growing up around. I'm a bad influence and always will be. I, I can't help that. When I have someone else's child, it's not my responsibility. I'm going to be the one that's like the little devil on the shoulder telling them to do the naughty things. Even <laughs> when they're not like even when they can't even support their own head, I am more than willing to start planting the seeds of evil. Go ahead, Elliot, take a de storm. <laughs> burn him. Burn him all. The parents, they're so rich, they will never notice. <laughs> 
when they make the little smoochy smoochy face, that's when you throw up in them. You know what? We've actually noticed that as soon as Nicola and I ever kiss or anything, he starts crying. He doesn't like. Oh, really? He, does, he doesn't like affection. He hates Murphy affection. Murphy does the same thing. Yeah, so does Jet. Yeah, it's like he's copying his brother. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Like they, they must hear affection and go, "That's not directed towards me. I will not allow it." Have you taught Elliot how to be able to get on his mat yet? If he's copying <laughs> Jet. <laughs> One day, one day, baby steps. What if I told you about eating at the table? We actually just bought him a high chair today, so he was actually sitting at the kitchen table with us. Oh, really? So when I say sitting, I mean it's sort of like a car seat, but it's a high chair. How does that work? With again, like, because I don't know at what age babies get next, but I don't think Elliot's old enough to have one. Well, he's old enough to get wind, that's for sure. And fuck, does he have a lot of it? But this high chair actually helps because if he's laying flat on his back, apparently the wind it stirs up in his stomach more. But if he's sort of sitting up a bit, it helps with it. So okay. the, the, we're just, we've got him sitting in the high chair at the moment. He's sleeping like an angel. So fingers crossed he can do that because last night, man, for like three or four hours, just crying. I didn't get much sleep mm. last night at all. Ah, uh, that's, a, that's a shame. Seven and a half hours for me straight through was delightful. Anyway, yeah. let's anyway, go. Shut up. Uh, so Treehouse of Virus 7. Did you enjoy this one? I always find this one as sort of, I always really liked The Thing and I, but I think mm. this, as an overall package, I think Treehouse of Horror 7 is one of my least favorite of the golden era, say the first nine seasons. It's an interesting one for me where I was thinking that same thing. Like, in and of themselves, each of these stories is quite good. They are set up well. They've got a good structure. They lean more into the horror and sci-fi tropes and maybe a little less into comedy than they have done for some of the Treehouse of Horrors. But by the same token, for some reason, it just felt like it was lacking a a little zing. Like, it, it was... I don't know. It was like you went on a roller coaster and you were like, "Oh yeah, that was fine." As opposed to you went on a roller coaster and it felt like your face had been peeled back, and you know you had to pick up, like you, you any item of clothing you had, you felt like it was in danger of losing. Like it was more of just a, a steady going through the motions, performed quite well the whole way, but just something about it, yeah, stops it from being a real classic somehow. Do you think it's because there's a lack of violence? There's really no violence in this at all, besides, say, Hibbert punching uh, Hugo. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I really care too much about the violent aspect of it. Like, it, when you really break it down, there's not a massive amount of violence in, say, the shinning. Like, Homer obviously chases them with an axe, but it's not... Oh, well, Willie does get killed. Cops are pretty hard in the back. Uh, but I... <laughs> It's, it's not like it's just... I don't think violence necessarily needs to go hand-in-hand hand with Treehouse of Horror for it to be really, really good. Uh, there's certainly no violence in The Raven, and I love that one. Yeah, that's um, true. It, yeah, I, it just was more that I think it felt like it was lacking... After a few that had been really, really inventive and really pushed the envelope, this was just three really, really solid stories. Yeah, But true, nothing yeah. that really took us to an area that we hadn't been before. I know that the Genesis tub was the first Simpsons episode or one of the first Simpsons scenes to use computer animation, which is when the ships are taking off. But I know mm-hmm. back in the previous uh, Trace of Horror, that surely would have been all computer animated, the 3D, right? Yeah, I guess they mean more of... I mean, that's like 3D animated polygons and all that sort of thing. I guess yeah. it would be more of like the digital animation as opposed to... Like digital animation that still looks like hand-drawn animation as opposed to Homer is now currently a 3D man. What do you think of the uh, Citizen Kang uh, story? Uh, it, to me, it just feels a little bit dated now because it's such a timestamp of 1996. 
Oh, look, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, obviously, Bob Dole and Bill Clinton is a timestamp of 1996, and saxophone jokes uh, would baffle anyone that's probably younger than 25. But I do think it also still says a lot about the American political system that hasn't changed. So, the idea of the two-party system, the idea that world leaders don't really need to say anything clever, they just need to appeal to the masses with, you know, pandering sentences, I think that is all still very, very true. So, there's... Like there's a fair bit in there that will be timeless, as much as on face value, it it has aged a little. I wonder if it would have been a real big deal when it first aired, because I read that the election happened just days after this this originally aired. Mm. Uh, So I wonder wonder if people were talking about it. I'm sure a lot of people were running running to uh, their local congressman to check that the candidates were actual people. Yeah. There's a couple of there's a couple of things in that story. I'll I'll just a tiny nitpick so I'll get to when we're actually reviewing it. But of the three, mm-hmm. which do you think is your favourite? I think still the thing and I is my favourite of these three. Uh yeah. Oh, oh. it's so hard for me to pick, to be honest. Mm. I No, for me, I, I'm gonna go Citizen Kang and the only real reason that I wanna do that, there's two. One of them is that I love that Homer can't remember Bob Dole's name and comes out with Mumbly Joe. <laughs> it's just a really funny sentence, and it's a line <laughs> that I've been able to quote with friends. It's just It's one of those ones that you could throw that out. Most people wouldn't know it's a Simpsons quote, but the two or three really good friends of yours will pick up on it. Yep, yep. Uh, but also, I just the fact that Phil Hartman gets to do his Bill Clinton impression. Uh, Is that, that Phil that Hartman? Yeah. I did not know Phil, that. Phil famously did Bill Clinton a lot of times on Saturday Night Live. Okay. And so, it's it's always really cool to hear him do Bill. It's a, it's a very funny impression. Why The Thing and I for you? I think for me, it just feels the most like a traditional Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons. Because I like the Treehouse of Horror episodes more for the horror stories. And I think of, of these three, this is the most like a horror story. Where the middle one, Genesis Tub, that's a Twilight Zone parody or, or close to it. And the third one's more political, and I've never been one for politics. Whilst it's got its funny moments, it's just not one for me. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why I like the, the first one, The Thing and I, the most, because it just feels like a traditional Simpsons Treehouse of Horror horror story. Without breaking it down too much, we'll get to that in yeah. a minute. The main... I had a problem with the initial concept of The Thing and I, mm-hmm. which was that how is it that they have... Often with horror, like the the way stories work or the way horror movies work is you take people, you set up a reality and then something changes and that, you know, creates the story or the journey that they go on. But how is it that Bart and Lisa have lived in this house for their entire life, but only just the second that this story starts is when they first notice that there's a noise upstairs. When Hugo is very clearly active and roaming around and Homer and Marge are not making any effort to hide the fact that they're feeding someone in the attic. I completely agree. I, it's just one of those things you just got to have to accept for Trace of Horror episodes, I guess. Yeah, I know you do. But it also just means that if I was being a real nitpick about storytelling and writing, then that was just the first thing. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, you haven't passed the first test of, is this a believable way to start the story? What about the fact that in Citizen Kang, they um, they transform into the, the presidents, Bill Clinton and Bob Dole, the, the president to potentially be, um, but then they have the mask ripped off. Didn't they transform into them? Uh, yeah, that's a uh, very good point that I hadn't realised. I only nitpick at the starter stories, not at the <laughs> end of them. <laughs> as long as the middle's okay, it doesn't matter. The, the, the start and yeah, the endings, exactly. they can be shit, but the middle, fine. Yeah. Um, what? No, well, maybe... 
maybe it's like Mission Impossible with the masks that they've got a 3D printer and that's how they transform. Uh, possibly. I mean, it's, it, it's space technology, so we can't be expected to possibly understand it. Did you come up with any new names for the for the three episodes? No, I really didn't bother. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> That's completely fine. Cause I didn't either. Uh, how about okay for the first one? We'll throw in a little bit of a uh, a backdraft reference. Hugo, we go. Hugo, we go. <laughs> okay, continue. Next one. Genesis tub. Uh, the Genesis Tub. The takeoff of the little people from the Twilight Zone. Of it is. Um, yeah. Well, inspired by. When you yeah, say parody, it's yeah, not yeah, like it's making fun yeah. of it. It's just inspired yeah. by it, but that's fine. Um, the Tooth of Wisdom. That works. I like it. That will do. And Citizen Kang, you can't really think of another name for that one because that's just the perfect name for it, really. <laughs> Mumbly Joe and the Clinton <laughs> Saga. The Old Man and the Mumbly Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, trivia. Have you got any questions for me this week? I have three. I one do. for each segment. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I did one from each segment as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first one, good luck to you getting this, given that you've declared that politics is not your thing. <laughs> in the establishing sort of moments of The Thing and I, Bart and Lisa both come out of their room, in the middle of their two doors, there is a picture frame with which US president? Oh, I have uh, Is it one from the last, say, 30 years? No. I'm going to say uh, Washington. It was Lincoln, but I like that you've gone with someone. Yeah, it was going to be one of the two. Um, Interestingly, though, not there later in the episode. Ah. Lincoln is there randomly for one shot. It's like never in an episode ever again. Why would they I I don't think so, yeah. I think that's why it stood out that I was like, oh, look at that. There's a Lincoln. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, In The Thing and I, where did the family or Homer think that Hugo was heading off to? I think he's boarding a plane too. Uh, Radio Shack. Oh, sorry. No, Radio Panama? Oh, no, you mean, yeah. Uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. Damn it. Yeah. Close. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did that classic thing where I buzzed in too early on the question yeah. and hadn't heard all of the words yet. Uh, did you do that when you were on the game show at all? I did once, yeah. And I got a... So, for people... I mean, you've, you've just thrown that out there in a very casual way. For people that may not know, I was on an episode of Million Dollar Minute. Oh, you've some mentioned ago. it on the podcast before. A long okay. time ago, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We can't presume that everyone's listened to every yeah, episode. True. Anyway, there was a question. This is going back a couple of years. And the question was, Jim Carrey recently announced he is working on... I buzzed and said, Dumb and Dumber 2. Then they stopped tape... And a floor guy came out to distract me for a little bit while the judges were deciding whether or not that would be correct. <laughs> and they came back to say incorrect because the full question, it turns out, was Jim Carrey recently announced he was working on the sequel to which 1995 comedy? Well, did I get it wrong? 94, 94 comedy, whatever yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, sorry, 94. Uh, I always mix that in the mask release dates They're all in my own head. But so that, if you're watching the tape, you see me answer, and then obviously they edit out that bit of the middle, so then you see Grant <laughs> Daniel say incorrect, and then the next time it cuts to us, you see me with a look of like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, just sitting there <laughs> chewing on how fucked up the whole world and situation was. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Like, wh- like, clearly, clearly, I know the answer is Dumb and Dumber, like, the answer to the full question is dumb and dumber. What difference does it make to just award me the points? Because I was going to get it anyway, and no one would have been the wiser. 
Were you miles behind at this point, or was this in the, in the initial stages? No, this was like early on. I was in lead after the first round. Oh, and you would have was... been so confident too if you were like leading. Like, it's like being ahead by five goals a quarter time. You're like, I've got this. I sold my lead. <laughs> I took my pocketed my two thousand, uh, which wouldn't have made a difference. To be fair, I was, I was. If I was in front by miles, I wouldn't have. But I was only in front by a question. Wait, so sold... no, I wasn't. Oh, you can overly sell the, You can sell the lead. Yeah, uh, you sell the lead at the beginning, get get a bit of cash, and then you drop down to be equal points with second. Uh, the guy that won was actually quite smart. He knew a lot about geography and history. I was just sort of dominating the pop culture questions, and then they dried up in the third round. <laughs> I, I was um, someone flicked a switch, and I just sat there in large silence. There was I don't remember what the question was, but there was one where I was like, I haven't answered anything for like five questions here. <laughs> Something came out and I just buzzed and and Grant was like, Mitch. And my response, again, going straight to air was, mm, no idea, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. You just, you just wanted to get on television, basically. It was like Homer Simpson, what's your second name? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, sorry, what's your first name? <laughs> but yeah, it was... Oh man, I you've got this footage right. I have to watch it one day. I actually don't uh, because I didn't. It, it got replayed recently. I was in a golf shop, and the guy <laughs> running it was like, "You didn't tell me you were going to be on TV." I'm like, "I, uh, to my knowledge, I haven't been on TV." <laughs> apparently, it was replayed at like seven in the morning on a Saturday or something. He just woke up, flicked the TV on, and there I was. So you won. What you walked out with two thousand? Mm-hmm. That's all right. Bought myself an engagement. Well, I didn't buy myself an engagement <laughs> ring. But bought myself an engagement ring just so people would think, hey, look at that guy go. And you still had 1500 in your pocket. <laughs> a heck of a dive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so where were we up to? Oh, trivia questions. Uh, what's your second yeah, question? Um, second question from the Genesis Tub. Mm. What object was on the staff that is held by the uh, little people? Oh, can I have a clue of some kind? It's a pretty vital object to the uh, to their life. Uh, a tooth. <laughs> it is a tooth, mini tooth, <laughs> yeah, uh, mini tooth, which I liked. That was a really cool micro detail to put in. Yep. If you think about it in terms of like 2001 A Space Odyssey, where suddenly this monolith shows up and then there's life. Now, obviously, in this instance, the tooth shows up before there is life, but they've grown up around this thing. They know nothing about it other than the fact that it's obviously pretty pivotal to life because that's where everything started from. Yeah. Oh, well, a bit of... um. Uh, like attention to detail that I liked in the third one in Citizen Kang was in the final sequence when they're all getting whipped and they're building the the gun to shoot a planet that Marge has never heard of. In the distance, mm-hmm. you can still see the spaceship crashed into the building. The ah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I like that. But my second question is, what is the name of the, the device used to beam Lisa into the tub? That would be the debigulator. That is correct. Uh, my third and final question comes from Citizen Kane. What colour was Homer's fishing hat? Oh, is it is it like a light brown? Uh, oh, it's pretty close. I mean, I went with purple, but you could almost interpret it as that. What? You know, it's funny. I've also got a colour question. What's the colour of their ship? Uh, purple? <laughs> no, it's blue. Blue, okay. So, anything else you'd like to mention before we get into the review, Mitch? Not that there's much to really review. We should probably mention to the people that because it's a Treehouse of Horror episode, you're not going to be able to really go in depth with character emotions and whatnot. It's just funny shit happens, basically. Pretty much. So, yeah, uh, we will... I mean, there'll be clips to play. There'll be the usual stuff that happens in episodes. And then at the end of this, we'll talk about season eight as a whole a little bit because the yeah. 
yeah, as always, these reviews tend to be a little bit more uh, just on the surface value. Um, I already spoke about my main nitpick with the beginning of The Thing and I, but what I did like about it overall was just how heavily they lent into the mood of a horror movie. Well, you just mentioned season eight then. I just want to ask you, so season eight, it's 1996, the end mm-hmm. of 96. Were you still a, a big Simpsons fan at this point or were you starting to drift oh. away? I was only eight years old, so yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you sort of, when did you drift off? Was it about season Oh, well, 10? Wait, sorry, you say 96. Were we getting the new episodes we, at the same... We would have got this in 97. We were about a year behind. So it was nine yeah. or 10. Uh, yeah, abs- absolutely I was. Like, these episodes were when I was... I would have been watching these as they were coming out and then talking about them at Infinitum at school mm. throughout the week. I probably continued doing that for the next few years, even though... I, I didn't go back to revisit them as much. That was one thing that did start to change. Like, I would still watch them new, but wouldn't be as hung out to watch them in reruns, so they didn't get as etched into my memory as I yep, yep. started to get a bit older. So, when I go back and watch ones from, like, say, a season 11 or 12, I'm like, it has a vague air of familiarity, but not the same, like, lived-in, I've had this conversation 600 times feel that season 8 still has for me. I think most people would be in a similar situation where I think for for most Australian fans anyway who our age, this was sort of like when the Simpsons they were still in their peak at this point. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely were. And quality wise, this is a it's a phenomenally good ep- uh, season. I, I still think season seven is my favorite, but you go through the list of episodes. And we'll go through it more in at the end when we talked about the season as a whole. But yeah, like we were discussing it off the air before we started recording. Every episode, if it's not a classic, it's a near classic. Yeah. Again, though, we'll get to that at the end, but yeah. yes, uh, you go through all of these and you're just like, oh, there's that one and that one and that one. Oh my God. And that one too. Yeah. 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 So the original air date of Treehouse of Horror 7 was October 27th, 1996. I like that back then they used to air them around about Halloween. Now they tend to air a couple of weeks sort of or maybe about the middle of September and I don't think it has the same feel to it. Yeah, I agree with that. That The closer to, the better it is. Like if you're going to watch Ernest Scared silly, you've got to do that near Halloween for it to have any yeah. effect. <laughs> if you're going to watch The Haunted Mask with Goosebumps, you've got to watch that near Halloween as well. Yeah, or the uh, the the werewolf one that scared the shit out of me when I the was younger. The werewolf of fever swamp. <laughs> uh, yes, that's exactly what it was called. <laughs> uh, and the couch gag was that the Grim Reaper is sitting on the couch, the family all run in, then they all die. I'm assuming that he kills them. And mm-hmm. then the Grim Reaper puts his feet up and relaxes uh, yeah. their dead corpses. <laughs> Uh, did we mention the cold open of Homer lighting his hand on fire in the jack-o'-lantern? Oh, no, I didn't mention that, no. Mm. Which so was the- brief. like, And that actually surprised me because I, when I saw the cold open, I was like, oh, they're going to do, you know, Homer's going to do something. And then it happened a lot quicker and was over a lot faster than I thought. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Like, I'm glad it was there. If they had 10 seconds to kill, then that's time as well spent as any putting that in the episode. I guess because they've axed the whole um, the cemetery scenes where they think of the fake names for the for the tombstones mm. and whatnot. But I guess they have to have something just to remind viewers this is a treehouse of horror, like off the bat. You know, there has to be something, some something violent. I think in the last one you had Krusty riding a horse, but he was headless in the, in the last one. I think that's how the last one started off. Uh, I think that sounds his, familiar. And he throws his head at the screen and it splats. Yeah, it's so long ago now. But anyway, but yeah, so it kicks off with the thing and I and the kids, as you said, and you pointed out that it makes no sense, but the kids overhear a noise in the attic that they're not quite sure what it is. But really, if you're a kid, I'm talking, say, five to seven years old, 
I think the start of this would be quite scary. Yeah, and that's kind of what I got at, or what I was getting at when I was talking about the mood of this piece. It's it's a really kind of good monster movie vibe that gets set up there. That it, and the idea that anything is lurking, particularly when you're asleep, and it, you know, it's like it's a monster under my bed or a monster in my wardrobe or whatever it is. A monster in the attic is probably not that I've ever lived in a house with one. But that would be like the next closest thing to that. That hmm. there is something. There, I mean, shit, even having a spider in the corner of your room when you go to sleep, like, you just, you can never quite settle knowing that something could be, something probably is awake and watching you and about to come for you. <laughs> probably is coming for you. You know, you know what, I don't know why, but sometimes I get creeped out when Nicola's going to bed and I'm watching TV, I'm all alone in the, in the lounge room. You know how my mm. house is set up with the big glass doors. Your house is similar. Yep. If we don't have the curtains pulled down and you can just see outside and it's dark... I don't know why, but I just, ha- I just have this fear that I'm going to look at the window and there'll be someone standing there looking at me. Yes. Uh, I used to have a horror dream about that a lot. Really? <laughs> a horror dream. Otherwise, horror dream. it was a nightmare. <laughs> I, know, I was like, what the hell? Anyway, what is this horror dream? <laughs> I, I refer to all of my dreams as genres. I don't have sex <laughs> dreams. I have romantic <laughs> comedy dreams. <laughs> what was that one? What was that genre we thought of or we heard about a couple of weeks ago when you're looking at Blockbuster? Oh, Christ. Um, I don't. <laughs> it was something stupid. Anyway, there what's your horror dream? There was 40 there that I'd never heard of. No, I was watching Scream a little while back. Mm. I was um, showing movie. that to my sister. It's a great movie. My uh, younger sister, who's just recently turned 18, one of the benefits of having younger brothers and sisters is they have not seen most of the co- the horrors that came yeah, out from the 90s. True. So, yeah. I was watching that. I've obviously seen Scream a million times, so I was not going to be uh, scared at all. Until, would you, f- like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't in a million years think this had happened. A fucking neighborhood cat ran in through the door. Like, <laughs> just came flying in through the dog flap. Right before Henry... Right before the Fonz is about to get stabbed in his office. <laughs> in your house? In my house. It scared the absolute <laughs> shit out of me. I was invaded. It was literally like an attack. What, did, what, what was the cat doing? What was it running away from? I don't know. I, I really don't know. It came flying in. It screeched on the floor. It realised the mistake that it had made and it took off. <laughs> well, went back, went back out again. Yeah. That's great. That was the most frightening thing that's, that could possibly have happened. <laughs> but were you genuinely scared or was it just sort of a funny situation? It was just the jump. Like, it was just that, oh, God, and then it was over. And pretty quickly I realised what was what. But, I mean, this dark... Jet black object that you've never seen before comes darting into your house, and because it's coming <laughs> oh, through the black dog flap, like it's it's loud. It's like bang, bang, bang as it swings back and forth. <laughs> was it a black cat? Did you say? It, yeah, it was jet black cat. Oh, yeah. that's scary shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. It's like you know when you get to the end of a ghost train, and this is the job I've always wanted—the guy that spooks you at the end. You know it's coming. Oh yeah. You just don't know where it's coming from. But don't you reckon that would be an amazing job to have? Just for like, you know, a couple of weeks, just at the Geelong show, yep. just scaring the shit out of people on the ghost train. It'd be so fun. Absolutely, it would. <laughs> and the thing that you almost guarantee to still scare people there is that even if they know it's coming, the anticipation starts to get them. Yep. Because they're like, oh, it's going to be now. Oh, maybe now, now. Oh, God, now it hasn't been. Oh, when's it going? Oh, shit, it was then. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly what it is. <laughs> But I remember the guy got me right because I tried to act tough. And this is many, many years, moons ago when I was dating somebody else. I was like 18 or whatever. 
and we're on the ghost train and I could see that this guy was spooking people right near the end. He can hear him and he hear people screaming at the end. I'm like, oh, I'll, 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 I won't be scared by this. I'll show you how tough I am. And then it gets to the end and I'm bracing myself and in my head, I'm thinking what you were just saying. I'm going, all right, it's going to come. It's going to come. Be tough, be tough, be tough. And then nothing happened. And the doors opened and we started going out and I thought, oh, well, that was all right. He must have forgotten. And then the guy proceeds to leave the venue and then scare me as I'm relaxed on the outside. Man, I squealed like a, <laughs> I squealed like a pig. <laughs> Oh, that's tremendous. <laughs> Ever since then, I was like, I want your job. This looks like so much fun. But anyway. Because there would have been a moment where you were like, yeah, that's right. He saw me coming. He knew I wasn't going to scare so easy. <laughs> I thought I was so brave. And I was like, and then because I thought he'd forgotten, I was like, oh, I'm chilled now. And then he got me. <laughs> but anyway, so where were we up to? So it's just the start of um, the thing. And I'm just explaining how, how scary it would be for a child. But the thing is, I remember when this first aired that when... Uh, Hugo's in the air vent and Bart's in bed. He's sort of he's looking through the air vent and Bart's looking scared. I remember the M15 Plus coming up on the TV. And for years, because I taped it off TV, I just assumed that was part of the episode. But this must have been one of the first M-rated episodes of The Simpsons, at least in Australia anyway. I assume. It's not a thing that I've ever really paid a great deal of attention to. I mean, it's, I guess it could only be because of the themes, not because of the content, because there's really nothing in here that's over the top. Because the other two are even less violent. And this, this isn't even exactly violent, is it? They could have reworked the rating systems. It's the only thing that I could think of. Like, they might have workshopped and went, no, it's not just about what you see, it's about what you feel. Maybe in 1996, this was considered M. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if if you'd say that, then you go back to the shinning, then that definitely would have been. You, you know what this actually feels like? We mentioned it before. This actually kind of feels like a Goosebumps episode, The, the Thing and I. Where it's, mm. it's horror, but it's more horror for kids. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Like, you, you're more susceptible as a kid, I guess. you got a bigger imagination, so you don't need it to be as scary for you to get sucked into something. Did you guys hear something moving around in the attic last night? Attic? Oh, that's silly. <laughs> Seriously, though, don't ever go up there. Homer, isn't it about time for the, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'll go feed it. Hugo is in an event that's mentioned before. Um, and then they question Homer and Marge again. And Homer slips up and says, you four kids. Marge says, no. Yeah. We have three kids. Three nosy kids. Yes. <laughs> and this is where the kids sneak into the attic. And this is where I've gotten my notes. It feels like a Goosebumps episode where I think in Goosebumps, you didn't really, I guess they had a low budget, but you didn't really see much. It was just the... Kind of like the Jaws movie. It's the the fear of what's behind the door or what's lurking yeah. around. Yeah, I did like the sorry, I, I liked the uh, the amount of nostalgia that they packed into the attic as they always do. But like they just always throw callbacks in there. There's, I wasn't um, even paying attention. What was there? Uh, Ringo was in the background. Oh, the, yeah, he's always the, there, isn't he? Marge's yeah. Ringo painting. I think I saw some B sharp stuff. There was a phone that looked familiar for some reason, but I couldn't figure out why off the top of my head. Was it the old Mary? Worth phone, Mary something phone? Might have been that. Flintstone phone? She's standing up. She's standing up holding the phone like her hands were the cradle. That's Yeah, that's what Bart bought from the comic book shop for some reason. I can't remember why. Ah, yes. Gotcha. So they race out scared because they, they see him in the shadows, Hugo. This is a great visual gag. I can't breathe. You think they're in the vases. Yeah. But they're in the cupboard. <laughs> Not just visual. It's a great audio gag. It's, re- it's really good sound design on that to make yeah. it sound like they're stuck in a vase. But also believable that that is how it would sound if they were in the closet. So the parents then return home, but Hugo has escaped, hasn't he? He has, and which is another thing. Like, how has he not got out before? Because he seems to be awfully free to roam up there. <laughs> like, 
he's he's checking them out in air vents. He's he's moving all around the house. He like. How much time does he spend chained up and how much does he spend unchained? I mean, he and can speak English as well. Surely he would have gone to the vet and gone, hey, but, but, help a brother out. Let me out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Help a literal secret brother out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Marge then calls Dr. Hibbert to say Hugo's loose and Bart says, who or what is Hugo? And this is where we get the big explanation. Now, normally the birth of Siamese twins is a joyous occasion, but unfortunately, one of them was... Pure evil. I think I'll bottle feed that one. A routine soul smear confirmed the presence of pure evil. It was then I knew the only option was to separate you two immediately. You'll both need to sign these. <laughs> But what to do with poor Hugo? Too crazy for boys' town, too much of a boy for crazy town. The child was an outcast, so we did the only humane thing. We chained Hugo up in the attic like an animal and fed him a bucket of fish heads once a week. It saved our marriage. You expect me to believe all this? If any of it was true, wouldn't I have a big hideous scar? We've got to find Hugo. Now, you watch this. And when Bart reveals his big scar, because Hibbert's told the story and he lifts his shirt up, as a viewer, you should con on straight away, wait a minute, the scar's on the wrong side, but for some reason, I never did. Did you when you first watched it? No, you shouldn't, because they don't they don't spell that out. It's not until the end that um, Hibbert says that it's, you know, the the right twin. No, but you, see, you see him as the evil one on the left, because he bites... Oh, the- sorry, you see the biting of the arm. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair point. I... If you're paying guess, close enough attention. Yeah, no one's going to be... Like, it's sort of one of those roles of storytelling to just gloss over it really, really quickly so no one has yeah. time to actually stop and think about it. It's done really, really well because when they reveal it at the end, you're kind of going, oh, yeah. Mm. So then they they race off to try and find Hugo and Bart is told to stay home. Just great writing. I love that. Bart, you stay home. The one person who shouldn't be staying home. Yeah. Was it tape the soccer or something the like hockey, that? Tape the hockey game. The hockey game. <laughs> But Bart knows that Hugo's around and he walks out. This is where we finally see Hugo in the light. And he has something very, very, I wouldn't say evil. It's kind of creepy planned for Bart. He's going to sew them back together. Yeah, demented. Yeah. You, you feel, you, you got to feel sorry for Hugo though. This poor kid's been locked in the fucking attic, fed fish mm. heads his whole life. Yeah. He just, he just wants to be back with his brother again. <laughs> fish heads once a week. Terrible. Could you ever eat a fish head? Oh, I, well, I mean... Not by choice. If it was the difference between life or death, yeah, I'm like, sure I could get one down. Like fear factor or something. <laughs> fear factor is not life or death. Fear factor is, <laughs> is poverty or ten thousand dollars. Would you? Would you, <laughs> would, you, would you? Just say you're on the amazing race with Tom, right? And you had to eat fish heads to get to the next round. Would you do it? Yeah, I'd give it a crack. I mean, that's what you're on the show for. But I would prefer to only have to eat fish heads if I was washed up on a deserted island, and that was the only way I was going to live. If I had my choice, it would be that. <laughs> we get one of the funnier visuals of the Simpsons or of this episode anyway is the pigeon rat I do love that yeah yeah. the pigeon rat is a highlight for me of this uh, segment uh, Hibbert returns he says uh, Hugo stop don't do this you do not want to do this he gets the mirror this is another one of the, the more uh, iconic moments from the episode that smash him in the face like it is it's an adult punching a child thing... <laughs> oh, yeah true the only thing that bugged me about that is the animators cheated a little that when Hibbert picks up that frame it has a back does it really? Yeah. 
And maybe that maybe that's more of an animated fuck up as opposed to yeah maybe um that was the only slight thing where i was like ah they've actually changed reality there mistake or not it was just that thing of like ah it would have been better had you just not seen it and then when you rewatched it you're like oh my god yeah it was right there the whole time and they you know convinced me that it wasn't like a magic trick you know it's like misdirection like you yeah. see something and it's not what you actually see, but that's what you think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he knocks out Hugo, as I said, and then he realizes that Hugo scars on the wrong side. And then it seems that Bart knew all along. His reaction is like, ah, don't be so shocked. Or is it just a case of he? It's like he knows he's evil. He, he knows know he's, he's evil. A twin. He just it actually makes evil. sense to him. Yeah. And then what happens? The roles just get reversed, don't they? He gets locked in the attic, and Hugo gets to live free downstairs. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Shut up and eat your fish heads. Really, Hugo should be suing this family for locking him in an attic um, for seven years or ten years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We could redo the uh, redo the opening titles and call it the Fritzels if we wanted to. <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed at that, but that was good. <laughs> but yeah, the thing and I overall, I, this is my favorite of the episode. No, it's not your favorite, but I think, like you said, they just do a good job of telling a a, a scary story without being over the top. Yeah, no, look, I, I really enjoy it. Like, I'm not saying it's not my favourite in a dismissive sense. It's just that I, I, I think all three are very close to each other, so it's hard to pick a favourite for me. Yep, yep. All right, moving along to the Genesis tub. I, f- I thought this was going to be your favourite, to be honest. It was really, really close, it was. But when I looked down, I noticed that I had more notes for Citizen Kang than I did for the Genesis tub. And that was another part okay, in my head right. where I went, I must have liked that one more. So, what happens in the Genesis tub? It starts off with Lisa, her tooth has fallen out. Yeah, working on a science project, she's trying to prove that soft drink is bad for your teeth by putting a removed tooth into a tub of soda. She wants to ruin soft drink for everybody. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, is trying to prove that static electricity works. <laughs> um, it's a kind of cool little, you know, rubs the balloon on himself, charges Lisa, then she goes to touch the tooth, charges the tooth, makes the tooth come alive. They, they get on with it really quickly, which I liked. Which they they, ha- they They have to, but it's I, I like the way they did it. Yeah. It all sort of makes sense. It's, it doesn't feel rushed. It's like, okay, let's just get on with the story. Let's get into yeah, the Yeah, exactly. The this happens, this happens, that happens. And it works. Like, you know, scientifically, it feels about as valid as anything that's ever happened in a Marvel origin story. The only thing I will say is that they evolve very, very quickly, right? And mm. then they just seem to stop evolving. Uh, yeah, true. So they go from Stone Age to the Renaissance in a matter of hours, and then overnight well, from not the Renaissance, it, they, they go to oh yeah, that's the, right. It's over just breakfast. downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And then they go from Renaissance to Space Aged, and then they stay there for the best part of a day. Yeah. Fair point. But who cares? It's funny. Maybe Dando that because the technology is so advanced, we can't recognize it. Ah, possibly. <laughs> so, I, I do like the uh, the animation of it, though. The way it's sort of... The, the colour of it all. The sort of green tinge over it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Lisa's looking through a microscope. What do you think was the purpose of the gag here? Where she goes, it still looks the same. Ah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like that is a specific microscope gag that you must have needed... Like, maybe standard microscopes had a setting of one. Yeah. Or, the joke is just, it would be ridiculous for that. And that's what's funny. I guess, but to having me it just, not it just spent feels like filler. <laughs> like, I just don't get why yeah. Lisa would ever do that. <laughs> yeah, well, having not spent much time with microscopes, it's that thing of I don't know if they did ever have that, and are they making fun of the fact that it ever existed? If it was that she just didn't know, it's probably a joke that works better for Bart to do. Yeah, true. Uh, so she realizes that she's created life, 
But the mm-hmm. idea of waffles is far more intriguing to her. So yeah, that's why she well, writes desert. And that's probably the bit that I relate. Like, if ever <laughs> I've related to Lisa Simpson, it was then. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like your waffles? Oh, so many ways. Like chicken and waffles is delightful. That was a um, that's been a more recent invention. See, I never uh, tried that. My... That was a big thing in the states. I thought we're gonna mm. have to try. Oh no, chicken and biscuit was a thing as well. We never tried. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, uh, ch- chicken and waffles, chicken and biscuit. They love it. Biscuit over there, obviously, is scone to us. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. So it's still, you know, it's your sweet and savory. Yep. Uh, but no, I, I guess traditional waffles. So uh, waffle, bit of banana. Um, maybe some sort of praline or something like that, if you were so inclined. A bit of ice cream, some icing sugar, and as much maple syrup as your arteries can handle. Did you go to IHOP? No, I missed out on IHOP when I was uh, in the States. No, I feel like that would have been your heaven. Yeah, I... Uh, look, we all make mistakes in life. But, <laughs> but I feel I, like people... I try well, to I'm move sp- forward without regrets, but I do dream <laughs> of the IHOP that could have been... I've spoken to Americans and they like the guy at work, Roland, and they t- he turns his nose up at IHOP. Yeah, of course you do. It's a shit place. Is it really? Okay. It's McDonald's of pancakes. Like it's not a classy destination and you're not going to like you're not going to bump into the Wolf of Wall Street at IHOP. You're going to bump into people of Walmart. Like that's <laughs> that's where it's at. But I I just like that it's a restaurant that knows what it does. It's like no pancakes. We are going to be the House of Pancakes, the International House of Pancakes, if you will, and we are going to have as much syrup as you can handle. Just hang on one second. I'm just going to Google it now. They changed their name recently, IHOP, and I think they changed it back. So, let's see. Oh, that's right. They changed it to IHOB, International House of Breakfast. No, not having that. Wait, the B, no, the B doesn't stand for breakfast. The B stands for burgers. Wait, so IHOP's now burger-based, not pancakes? This might need an entire podcast to be devoted to. People were outraged. International House of Pancakes is no more. It is now the International House of Burgers. Well, that's brought my mood down. <laughs> so, the Genesis Tub. <laughs> yes, back to that. Uh, so, Lisa, after the the waffle iron, after discovering that it's just square pancakes, the waffle iron's been in the shop forever. Yes. Um, uh, she comes back there in the, you know, they've advanced through the Renaissance. I like that how quickly they go through the same steps of life as humans. Like, yeah. I've created Lutherans. I don't know, I, I, no offence to you, but I doubt you would have picked up on this reference being a non-religious person, and no. neither did I, really. So, I thought maybe we'd unpack this to people, that the birth of Lutherans and then what became Protestants was that Martin Luther had, like, a list of grievances that he famously nailed to the church door. Ah, um, the Things okay. that he did not think the church were doing well. And did it work for him? Oh, we got his own religion out of it, so <laughs> it's something. Yeah. What what would Let's your religion yes. be? What would my religion be? Do I need a name for it? Grintism. Grintism. Uh, no, you can't really get behind that, can you? No, um, you can't. It sounds yeah, it sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I reckon you've kind of got. I'd have to go for something that like sounds promising, but is slightly vague, so no one can hold me to it. So maybe the improvementers. That's like the the worst. Name you could have ever come up with. The improvement. Yeah. It's like a debigulator. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they're evolving fast and Bart comes in and Bart's just a dick in this whole story. He just comes in and kills people. But he doesn't realise he's doing it, I guess. Hey, what is this goo? You trying to grow a friend? Hey, you built a model city. Is that the school? Whoops, my finger slipped. Oops, my finger slipped. Oops, my finger slipped. Bart, stop it! 
<laughs> You're right, though. Like, I don't think he's fully aware of what's going on. But even if it, even if he's not aware that there's life in that tub, that's her science project. Why are you coming in and ruining it for her? Uh, oh, hello. I've just uh, gone to fantasynamegenerators.com and it has uh, generators for religion names. Uh, I like this. The sect of our origins means absolutely nothing, but it sounds <laughs> kind of thoughtful. The origin sect? Uh, I like, well, yeah. Um, the sect of our yeah. origins is, is, is a bit long, I think. Was it, uh, so, the sect of our origins. So, to see, yeah, okay. Well, what what you do is, like, that's the full thing on the seal, but then outside of that, you're just known as the sectors. Then our new, our new listener names, the sectors. If you listen to the podcast, you're a sector. Yeah, well, if you're listening to the podcast, name a religion. <laughs> Come up with your own and send it in. <laughs> send it in. Mailbag of If it's good enough, discount. I'll join it. Like we said, Bart destroys everything. So, what do they do? They retaliate. They fly out in their yeah, ships. I, I was going to... Sorry, I was going to say, just a little 90s throwback. Uh, mm. And I mean through to the 2000s, if you continued with it, but... Bart destroying that was very Sim City. Like you build your city and then you go, right, got nothing left to do. Time to unleash a tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, you felt guilty when you did it. Oh, maybe oh, you yeah, did. Yeah, of course you did. Particularly by the time it got to like Sim City 3000, and, which was one of the first ones I played, admittedly. So they may have even done this earlier, but you could start like drilling into people's lives in that. You'd be like, you could see people going to work. You could see. You know how many people, how many kids were enrolled at the local school, or how many were playing in the sports ground and that sort of thing, and then suddenly, pff, aliens, bitch, and they just yeah, <laughs> town to be decimated. These things aren't real; they're just pixels on a screen, but they're real to you. Oh yeah, they mattered. It's like a Tamagotchi. Remember Tamagotchis? I was yeah, heartbro- yeah. I was heartbroken the day I dropped mine and killed it. I was heartbroken three times a day when I forgot to feed it, <laughs> and it, or when it shit so much that it died. <laughs> you didn't clean the shit up. <laughs> Uh, so they attack him at night I've read here that the design of their ship Is based off of the ship design of Scourge The Decepticon from Transformers Okay Don't ask me But apparently that's what I've read uh, They dis- they shoot the shit out of Bart basically And they race back And Bart threatens he's going to get to him Then they beam Lisa into the tub with the debigulator They have Like you get the night Once they're in there And you know Obviously they're they're bowing down to her as if she's a god, mm. uh, which makes sense. You could see someone looking down on you, and then the idea that the devil is your brother, uh, which was a. I feel like that's a backstory somewhere, or at the very least, I feel like I don't know enough about religion, but I do vaguely remember that God and the devil, at some point, were in heaven together. Really, I think you better be sure you're right because we're going to get a lot of angry mail if it's not. Well, I said I think. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is what happened. Just like you think, uh, Chris Pratt's a sex fiend. The devil origins. This could like bring you- up some dark, dark things. Wikipedia. Wikipedia seems truth. Uh, yeah, seems truth. Just- Wikipedia seems safe. Um, Allaboutgod.com has a question in there of what caused Satan to be cast from heaven. So at some point he was obviously there. That'll do for me. I'm not going to get into reading it. As long as what was it? What was that website called again? Allaboutgod.com. Allaboutgod.com. As long as they say it, then it's got to be right, yeah? If you don't agree with it, send your hate mail their way, please. Allaboutgod.com. Send it to them. Not us. <laughs> Not us. Uh, the other part that I really liked here, though, is like when they lean into the one of your favorite lines, why am I so fat? <laughs> but why do bad things happen to good people? All those sorts of questions. Mm. 
and Lisa obviously doesn't know how to answer that. I love the idea that if there was a God, that life was created accidentally. So all these people Mm -hmm. that like chalk up everything to God's will and God's way and that sort of stuff, there's just this guy or woman, whatever, upstairs looking down going, oh, Jesus. (laughs) I was not, I was just, I was not expecting this. (laughs) One day he's probably going to walk in and just go... And just squash us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That'll be gamma radiation or yeah. something. <laughs> anyway, episode wraps up pretty quickly from that point with yeah. obviously Bart coming in. Now, I, because they had the th- the foreboding of him to say that he's going to flush them, you think that's what's going to happen. But no, he presents it as his own science fair project, wins first prize, everyone else's toys, uh, everyone else's models get thrown out. Lisa does not get her gift card. She's now down for all eternity in a tub. Great. Stuck in this lousy tub for the rest of my life. Shouldn't you people be groveling? And bring me some shoes. Nice ones. She'll want socks too. I'll I'll get socks. Get to the final segment, and it is Citizen Kang, your favourite of the trilogy. Starts off with Homer out fishing. I think this is one of my favourite Homer outfits. I love it. His fishing outfit. I like any man with a fishing outfit, I'll be honest. I want to take you fishing one day just to see what you rock up in. Because uh, you like to dress for the occasion. Like, I'll play golf with you. You got you go full golf. You go gloves, hat, glasses, everything. Well, the glove's I'll, important. It helps you grip the glove. <laughs> but, but with fishing, I'd love to see what you <laughs> Sorry. consider. And the hat and glasses, I'm outside and it's sunny. And <laughs> it's just sun smart. I don't know. It's just that you, you look like a golfer, is what I'm saying. <laughs> look at this guy putting the bloody sunscreen on for his golf. Thinks he's a pro. <laughs> but it, maybe it's because you're wearing a tightliest hat. A tightliest hat, yeah. Was it tightliest? Titleist. Titleist, sorry. See? Can't even say titleist. Uh, I know nothing no, about apparently, golf. Apparently not. <laughs> or Nikkei. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd love to take you fishing one day just to see what you consider to be a, a, a Mitch fishing outfit. Yeah, okay. Well, what you would soon find is that I would react in much the same way as Homer in that fishing is relaxing for all of five minutes for me before I get fucking mind-numbingly bored and angry that the fish aren't coming. Yeah, and it was a great setup for the the view from underneath the water so you can see the ship arriving. I really liked the way they set that up. Yeah, it was um, it was very cool, anim- uh, uh, very well animated to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and he gets abducted just like a claw machine, essentially, mm-hmm. by the spaceship. What I don't quite understand is, I guess, no Trials of Horror uh, segment is in the same sort of canon as the others because he's met Kang and Curtis before. Yeah, and he has no idea who they are. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's, I mean, anything that happens in a treehouse of horror does not carry over. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is one of my favourite Homer lines of all time. Oh my God, space aliens. Don't eat me. I have a wife and kids. Eat them. Silence. We are travellers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. My name is Kang. And this is my sister, Kodos. Hello. I suppose you want to probe me. Well, might as well get it over with. Stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. Is this the first time we find out that Kodos is a girl? He says my sister? I'm not sure whether they say it in the first Treehouse of Horror. I think it might be, yeah. But then Homer just assumes that they're going to be probing, so I guess you have to probe me. No, this is a takeover. Take us to your leader. Before, before, before we get that, that by yeah. the way, did you pick up on the joke of the certain ringed planet? I remember that. What what was the so joke they, though? They say they're from a certain ringed planet whose name we prefer not to mention. Now, yes. there are two ringed planets in the solar system, Saturn and Uranus. Uranus. Yeah. Uh 
But a little tidbit, if I could, that's going to ruin the childish part of everyone's brain that likes giggling at the name Uranus, is that it is not actually pronounced Uranus. It's it Uranus, is pronounced it? Uh, Uranus. Uranus. Um, Yes, Uranus was named after, as much as I pronounce it incorrectly there, uh, it was named after the Greek god Uranos, which is spelled O-U-R-A-N-O-S, but the Roman spelling of that was U-R-A-N-U-S. And then that obviously, over time, American pronunciations turned into Uranus and but, but gave gave host to millions of jokes. Because that's not funny. <laughs> Oh, sorry, it was in Uranus is not a funny name. Yeah, yeah. Or Uranus. But the, well, Uranus sounds more like a kebab. It does. I was going to say, it sounds like a filling that you get on a kebab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you like some Uranus? Yes. I would. I would also like to explain to you why you are Swedish and serving me a kebab. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Homer doesn't know who Bob Doll is, so he eventually figures it out. But you, your mm-hmm. favourite line, the Mumbly Joe. Mumbly Joe, followed by, ah, oh, Bob Dole doesn't need this. This is a mission of conquest. Take us to your leader. Well, I guess you mean President Clinton. He usually hangs around Washington, D.C. President Clinton. Excellent. Except, um, there's this election next week, so after that it might not be him anymore. It might be, what's his name, uh, Mumbly Joe. Uh, I saw him on TV the other, uh, Bob Dole. Who played Bob Dole? Was it Harry Shearer? I don't know, actually. Possibly. It'd be good if they had got actually Bob Dole on. Because I, I, I know nothing about Bob Dole. So, is this true to who Bob Dole was Nobody as does. a person? Okay. But is, is, this what, is this the way he behaved, the way he spoke, or is it just... I, I, I don't, I've never heard the man speak. I only know Bob Dole through this. Is he a real person? <laughs> uh, definitely a real person, yes. Senator Bob Dole. Oh, he has was, a Twitter. What do you know? Was he one of those candidates that no one ever expected to win? He was just there to fill space? Uh, no, there was a time in the mid-90s that Clinton was struggling in the opinion polls. Um, okay. Oh, sorry, well, there are a few times. Obviously, he got impeached, but this was... Way <laughs> I was going to say... Yeah. Sorry, this was way before that. No, there was a time where um, Bill Clinton led a, like a government shutdown before that was a thing that felt like it happened every three weeks. And... I know. I only. I only know this because I was just listening to the West Wing Weekly, and they were talking about it. They had someone that worked on the staff at the time. Like there, there was a period there where they were a bit of a coin flip as to whether or not the midterms or the next election was going to go well for them. But then he recovered well out of it and carried on his merry way. Well, there you go. History lesson with Mitch Grinter. Very, very vague history lesson. <laughs> a history lesson that says Bill Clinton won the election. Yes. <laughs> the end. Oh, no. Aliens, bioduplication, nude conspiracies. Oh, my God. Lyndon LaRouche was right. What? Are you still here? I'm afraid we'll have to dispose of you. No, no. What are you spraying me with? Rum. So no one will believe your story. And don't come back. Yeah! Uh, the next scene, the family then watching TV in the kitchen for some unknown reason. Why they have the kitchen in the uh, the TV in the kitchen is beyond me. Marge would never allow this, I don't think. But Homer then runs in panicked. Uh, and this is this was my favorite part of the entire segment because I love the effort Homer goes into to start his story off with. I was just about to catch the biggest fish you've ever seen. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Like, it, it is one of those things that if you want to get away with something, do it in front of fishermen and do it ridiculous. Because, <laughs> well, I, I tell you, three armoured trucks rolled up and robbed the local Wendy's. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure they did, Harry. It's it's just like uh, George telling his story about the whale. <laughs> I'd tell you it was ten stories high if he was a foot. So no one believes Homer's story because he smells like rum. Uh, then mm-hmm. he points out that that's them there. Uh, that's they're on TV, and Kang and Kodo start giving really weird speeches. I love the abortions for some, miniature American flags for others. <laughs> I, well, I love the beginning yes. uh, position. Abortions for all. <laughs> <laughs> No abortions for anyone. <laughs> uh, and this is a thing that, like, you know, as, as this is why it's it's sad that this is timeless, but, you know, the, the abortion debate is still something that rages in politics and it's still yeah. a thing that can be a very dangerous topic to have a public opinion on. It sways people very strongly one way or the other. Now, I love that uh, Kang, because I think Kang is Clinton. Either way, whoever's playing Clinton, I love that they've done some sort of research but haven't quite got it right. So I dreamed of being a baseball so most yep. people say I dreamed of being a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is very, very funny. I love how stilted the dialogue is. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My fellow Americans, as a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball. But tonight I say we must move forward, not backward, upward, not forward, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Homer then interrupts. Um, and they throw him out. He then goes over, goes out and finds their ship. They didn't do a very good job of hiding it, did they? They sort of put it behind a bush. That's obviously a visual gag where Homer should have it's seen it It's a very good beginning. pullback, yeah. I forgot, though, go back and watch, I forgot that Homer actually drove the ship. Like, he goes way out into space. Me too. Like, it's even to the point that I'd actually looked down because I was typing notes, and then the next time I looked up, he'd shot Bill Clinton and Bob Dole out into space. <laughs> and that is very funny, by the way, that they make up like, they reconcile, they're like, call an end to partisan politics. They're about to make a better future and save the world from the aliens. Yeah. Foom, foom, gone. <laughs> it's the sound effect. Just, phew, phew. <laughs> And you can't hear them screaming. It's just, yeah, you exactly. see them floating, uh, stop, stop moving, and they float away. <laughs> floating away nude. <laughs> yes. yes. Great. <laughs> Omar realizes he's made a big mistake. He then crashes the ship, and you can hear him running down the steps. Uh, classic audio gag, and he rips off their mask, which doesn't really make sense, but doesn't matter. It's what happens. And they say, it's too late. It's two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. All hail President K! I don't understand why we have to build a ray gun to aim at a planet I never even heard of. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Go! Now, whenever there's an election, there's so many memes of the I voted for Kodos. Have you seen the, the picture of someone made the signs, vote for Kodos? Yeah. 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 Um, I, one thing that I did like about the whole gag at the end there, like when it is revealed, is that thing about I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead, throw your vote away. The fact that even with two literal world-enslaving aliens, people still aren't going to vote for a third party. It's, it's just <laughs> two-party system, and that's how it goes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I did think of as a pretty obvious way around it, that thing of, like, well, you have to vote for one of us. No, you don't. Uh, voting's not compulsory in America, so they could have all just stayed home. What would happen if nobody voted? Would it mean there's yeah. a draw and they both become president? That's a very good question. I wonder if that... 
I wonder if the Constitution covers that. Okay, there's a Vice article. What if we all just didn't vote? What would happen if nobody voted in the general election? Okay, so there would still come... Basically, if no one voted, the long and the short of what I'm getting at here is that there would still be a president because technically the United States is not a full democracy. It's a constitutional republic. So you are voting for a leader uh, or you're electing leaders to the country. So the constitution says there must be a president. If the presidential campaign was over, I would imagine it would fall to Congress or something like that to elect a president. Or it says that it is possible that there could be an electoral coin flip. Legit. Coin toss. Possibly. Is Vice a trusted source? (laughs) Probably not, (laughs) if I'm being perfectly (laughs) honest. But it seemed like they'd interviewed people. Well, fair enough then. Sorry. It doesn't doesn't matter who they interviewed, as long as they interviewed somebody. Yeah, they interviewed someone. If that's incorrect, send your hate mail to Vice. So, all in all, yes. Treehouse of Horror 7... I think I held this in high regard because it had the thing in mind. I've always liked that one. But overall, Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the weaker of the Trials of Horrors, but purely because the ones that have come before and come after it are just so great. Weaker, weak is not the descriptor that I would use because it implies that it's bad. That's what I was trying to say. It's not bad. It's just because the other ones are so great. This one's different. I, I guess it's it's, more, it's it's different from what we've come to expect yeah, from Trials like, of Horror. Yeah, like I said, it's it's like, I don't know. It's like eating pasta without having some parmesan cheese on top. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, well, the pasta's all right, but I just need something else to really hit the palate here to, to make it sing. What did we learn, Palmer? All right, so what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Um, oh, uh, I learned that... Jeez, what did I learn? I, I, I forgot to learn anything because it was a Halloween episode. Uh, I learned that uh, a fish head diet only requires eating on one out of every seven days. That's true. I learned how to pronounce Titleist. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> so how do you say it? Titleist. Tight, just Titleist. Not no three syllables, just two syllables. Titleist. Two syllables. Titleist. Tight. So it's not titleist. Technically, it is titleist, but more like more colloquially, you just run through it. Titleist. Titleist. All right. Yeah. I learned how to say titleist. Whether it's correct, tight I learned how list. to say it. Titleist. <laughs> yeah. Titleist. Run together. Titleist. Titleist. Javale. Javale is here. Ooh. Alrighty. So mailbag. What have you got for us this week, Mitch? Uh, mailbag, we have got Jake Mitchell writing in from mm-hmm. England. Uh, so, his friend has been telling him to get in the podcast for a while, and he's finally taken the plunge that started by listening to Palooza. Then, when he gets to the mailbag segment, he's surprised to hear us read out a letter from the soft git himself, Alex Renouf, and no, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I hope you don't read a letter from his every week. Well, we have been, but we've stopped that now. Anyway, my question, should I work backwards or start from season one episode one and binge my way to be caught up um well i always say that i I really like the first season but it seems a lot of people go back and do that and i really enjoy doing it so i guess go back to the first one if you want to yeah if you want to sort of take the journey like everyone else did if it was me listen to the new one as it comes out each week and dive back into the old stuff and go through that chronologically I think you'll understand a lot of the in-jokes a lot more that you and I have if you've gone back to the start and listened through because we, we sometimes yeah. we reference things that have happened in, in previous episodes. Yeah, and you'll also, rather infuriatingly, probably hear a bunch of stories that we repeat because we forget because yes. it's been several years. Sometimes I just let you repeat them and then just cut them out. <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> as, long as, <laughs> as, as long as someone's the gatekeeper. Well, sometimes I'm like, he's already told this story, but he's having so much fun telling it again, I'll just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you wait till I read Casey at the bat again. Oh, no, that will not be happening. <laughs> anyway, Jake also has what he thinks is a pretty unique favorite quote from The Simpsons. The line, sure, mm-hmm. you've never been at the perfect moment of the uh, in Frank Grimes. Uh, what are some other favorite, if like otherwise innocuous moments, if it weren't for the fact that it was from The Simpsons? I, I, well, I always love that just got to put my shoes on. <laughs> That's always been one of my favorite lines. Uh, again, I'll throw from this one, Mumbly Joe. Just works everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called for you. Who was it? Oh, mm, what was his name? Bill Mumbly Joe. <laughs> and then you pull out whatever the name is. Works it's- even funnier if it was a woman. It would work funny, yeah. And it's just it's still it's great though because Mumbly Joe doesn't even sound like Bob Dole. <laughs> no, exactly. It's so far away from, from what it is. It was pointed out in the Patreon exclusive Facebook page that that Marge has a bunch of these sorts of lines. I'll just try to bring up what a couple okay. that some of the people's favourites were. So it was Mary Jane Cooper that had written in with this, but Seth Boyster. I just think they're neat. Uh, that honestly was from... what was in my head. The the, the potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Um, this wasn't not so much innocuous. How about ghost mutt? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoy. It. I just think they're they're neat. That's I, a, think, um, I think that's a line that's become a lot more appreciated in recent times though, because whenever someone finds a potato, they just post a picture of the potato in the Simpsons group and say, "I think they're really neat," and everyone loves it. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to Mary mm-hmm. Cooper. Hey, DNM. I guess that stands for us. Uh, deep and meaningful. <laughs> Brand new patron here. That's I've a new been... name. You're now meaningful, I'm deep. <laughs> <laughs> How deep are you? <laughs> Hold on a second. Continue. Uh, Brand new patron here. I've been listening to your podcast since uh, my boyfriend bought me your book for uh, my birthday. What a boyfriend. I get really freaked out. I'm not freaked out, but I always pu- I'm puzzled as to what I'm supposed to do in emails when it's like, my and your, and that sentence had eight of them. So I'm like, hang on, who am I here? Am I Mary? Am I Mitch? Am I meaningful? What exactly am I trying to How be? deep am I? <laughs> the Simpsons mean so much to me and actually cry. Sure, look at that. Mary cried reading the book when we were writing about March's vulnerability in lone, uh, alone in bed at the end of Colonel Homer. I believe that was a piece that you wrote, Dando. Yeah. Congratulations. It, it, you made it, our it, listeners cry, you I'm, awful monster. I'm sorry. <laughs> monster. <laughs> anyway, we're wondering if there's any Simpsons quotes or moments which have helped you through tough times in your life, either in your childhood or more recently. Hers is one from quite late, season 20, Eeny, Meeny, Maya, Mo, where Mo forms a great relationship with a woman and then inevitably ruins it. Homer says, sometimes when you least expect it, you realize that someone loved you and that means someone can love you again and that'll make you smile. Mm-hmm. That is a fantastic line. That is a really nice line. It's almost um, Winnie the Pooh-esque, that line. It's just a nice, wholesome... Even it could be from... Who's that other bear that I love? Paddington. It feels like something that Paddington could have said. (laughs) And uh, Mary says that that's a great example of post-Golden Era Simpsons writing. Uh, Congrats, Dando, on the baby. Thank you. Uh, Um, So so what was the question again? So was it um, a quote or a moment that's made you cry or has it got you through a hard time is that what the question was uh yeah yeah something that's not so much made you cry but something that's got you through a hard time or you know maybe inspired you picked you up when you were feeling down i don't want to go with the obvious of you are lisa simpson but it is one no, that yeah. i i mean yeah like i i think everyone has felt something when they've heard that line and everyone feels it's one of those perfect lines it's almost like a horoscope that it, it can apply to everyone and everyone will think that it applies specifically to them, despite the fact that it applies equally to everyone on the planet, just about. I do love 
it's just because it makes me feel good. It didn't get me through a hard time. It just makes me feel happy. Is the end of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Is that, the, is that mm. the where he comes back and he ends up buying Homer the chair? And yeah. Homer just kisses him with just absolute glee. I just love yeah. that moment. <laughs> okay, so if you're ever feeling depressed, I've just got to buy you a vibrating recliner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's just, that, it's just that Homer thinks that the, his forgiveness is the present. He's like, oh, for God's sake, I bought you the chair. And it's just <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, I'll give you one. And it's from... I mean, me being me, it's from an older older episode, but it's and it's the simple line in this. It's oh, Mr. Simpson, did you bring an umbrella today? Don't know here. And then Carl tosses the umbrella to him, gives a little wave, walks off into the rain. It's just that thing of absolute selflessness, always putting someone else above you, and it's a it's a really really beautiful uh, moment. And one that just, you know, it makes you believe that there are people out there that care. Carl is a character that just does not get enough enough love. Yeah. So underappreciated. Can I actually, off the back of that, can I tell you a not every not all heroes wear capes story? Okay. Uh and feel free to play Bet Midler under this um Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> I was gonna say Wind Beneath Wings. <laughs> I was walking up the street to grab some lunch today and I saw a man exit a store. Something hit the ground. It looked like possibly a business card. He was an older man, looked about 70. He had no idea that he dropped this thing whatsoever. Wait, he are you going to be the hero walking. in this story? Oh, yeah. He continued on walking. <laughs> I saw that he was about to catch the bus, Dando, and he hurried to get to the bus because he was running late. No one else had seen that this thing had dropped. I get there. It's his Mikey card, which for people outside of Victoria, it's your public transport, you know, tap on, tap off. It's what your currency is stored on for catching buses and trains in in victoria like what you use for the tube in london uh yeah like opal in yeah um the so oyster uh, card i think they call it oyster I, card. oyster card sorry maybe opal is brisbane anyway anyway i pick it up i don't really like there's nothing too special about it apart from the fact that by the time i got to it and saw that what it was he was already on the bus and you could just see that this poor guy was like embarrassment was about to collapse because he walked in past he put a few things down on a seat and then he starts patting his pockets oh, and yeah. right at that moment of panic was when I got in there reached through the window gave him the card I winked at him and I said take mine <laughs> and then I walked off <laughs> and it was his yeah <laughs> so I'm both the hero and the asshole of that story <laughs> oh that's fantastic <laughs> did you actually say take mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what did he say? Oh look, I'm sure he would have known. It actually looked quite battered. Uh, no, but I didn't stick around for an answer. <laughs> I just, I just made eye contact, take mine, and then I disappeared because I thought that was a cool way to do it. Like if he didn't realise that I just become this myth. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> did you walk off like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in 500 Days of Summer, just like a king? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, no, I um, I wandered off and I got my sandwich. Looked in the reflection and Clark Kent's looking back at you. It was odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, take, so that was pretty take good. mine. That's that a good I'll, way to just we're to get a shirt with you. Just says, just says take mine. <laughs> <laughs> just am I holding anything or am I just saying take mine? It just says take mine. Okay. <laughs> it just says it says take mine in quotation marks. Dash Mitch Grinder. <laughs> um. Uh, on the subject of people getting our book for birthdays, I'll just mm-hmm. give you... We already said happy birthday to this particular person. It was Laura Tasker. But um, Laura's boyfriend, I believe, got her 
a copy of Homer's Odyssey as well. And I just want to point out that Homer's Odyssey is clearly still available to be bought. And if you don't have one, go out and get it. It'll make you cry. It'll make you laugh. And it'll make you read. It'll be a fantastic Christmas present. That's just what I yep. think anyway. But happy birthday happy birthday to Laura. I think she said she turns 23 this w- last week. Uh, yeah. She, yeah, she turned 23. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just realized we, we, we promised we were going to talk about season eight as a whole and we haven't got to that part yet. Do you want to um, do that now then? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. And yes. we'll, we'll leave some more mail back for later. Uh, Lexi yeah. Arrowsmith, I'm looking at you. I haven't read your email yet, but you'll get read out next week. But next week's podcast, she will not be read out because next week oh, she's already shit. done. Oh, okay, shit. Okay, no, can. we better yeah. do it now then. <laughs> but, no, but, 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 but we can record a mailbag for next week and just whack it onto the end. So they do get at least yeah, some okay. new content. Because when we did yeah. the... Uh, you Only Move Twice, we did over a year ago. I'd probably say nearly two years ago. Nearly two years ago, a, I reckon. Yeah, it's like a Patreon exclusive. I think it was even before we had Patreon, um, just for subscribers. Uh, mm. And for those ones, we don't have a mailbag. So maybe we will record a mailbag for next okay. week just so there's something new. All right, mailbag for exactly that. And Lexi Arrowsmith will be heading up that mailbag. If anyone else has any questions about You Only Move Twice in particular, Season 8 or whatever else you might want to talk about, 5 yeah. and 3. Let's um, make it You so Only Move my, Twice specific if we can. Yeah. If anyone does send any hate mail to allaboutgod.com, copy us in. <laughs> <Don't read laughs> uh, so my, my thing about Season 8 and... We were half discussing this before. So, there are great episodes the whole way through here. The Homer They Fall, Burns Baby Burns, Bart After Dark. There's you know, like three in a row that I'm really, really looking forward to watching. A Millhouse Divided is one that I probably have not watched as much. So, that'd be interesting to go back because there's so much like about uh, Luann and Kirk, uh, their divorce and how much that kind of um, shapes Millhouse and the way you think of Millhouse now. But I don't actually remember a lot about them getting divorced. Obviously, draw dignity and all that sort of stuff. Like, that is, you know, there's there's some iconic moments from there. But to see that within context would be pretty cool again. The Twisted World of Marge Simpson, I'm looking forward to that. That's one of the better Fat Tony episodes. Mountain of and Madness. And here come the pretzels. <laughs> this is a black day for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, Spring- the Springfield Files. That was one of my top five of all time that I put in the book. It was, yeah. It's, um, uh, the Twisted yeah. World... Oh, sorry. No, um, Mountain Madness was one that we're talking about as well as being one that it had, bizarrely, a really, really low rating. It's the only one, according to Wikipedia, that was in the single figures for ratings for the week. And as a result, I don't think many people remember much about Mountain of Madness and it doesn't get replayed very often. So, I'm really looking forward to diving into that because that's an episode that I do love. Do you remember how it starts? Uh, Corporate Retreat. It starts with them doing like the fire drill and Homer locks everybody in. I won, Mr. Burns. Um, The only thing that I will say about season eight Mm -hmm. is that, and I've said this before, but like this is the thing now that we've got next week, you only move twice. And for me, that is a height that the show never reaches again. Okay. Um, So I do think that there are still comedy wise. Everything wise. It's just that you only move twice. They never make an episode better than that again for me. Oh, oh, they make oh, really okay, good episodes, well, don't get me wrong, but they don't make an episode that reaches that same level. And I do, yeah, like it's that thing of like, I feel like we've climbed to the top of a mountain and and I'm going to enjoy the rest of season eight, which spends most of its time hanging around the summit, but then it does definitely start to just take some steps down from yep. this point. I, I can see what you're saying. For me though, whilst I think You Only Move Twice is, one, is the funniest episode, I don't think... 
for me, just humor is what I want from a Simpsons episode. It needs to have a bit of heart as well, but that's just for me. So I mm. think that's why it's not one of my favorites, but I, I, I can understand why you would say it's one of your favorites because you like the Simpsons to laugh, basically. And that's what you only move twice delivers in spades. Have you listened to anything I've said since we started doing this podcast? I love the heart. It's just that yeah, you only move twice is too funny. It's too perfect. Everything about it's great. Yeah, but you you enjoy the. I don't think I, I think I appreciate the heart. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I haven't been listening to anything you've been saying on the podcast. <laughs> but I, I just think you. I think you only move twice is such a memorable performance from Albert Brooks that it makes it stand out so much because he was a one and done that I think it is really, really, really funny. But as a story, there's not much to it. Look, there's, Homer, still ch- Homer still makes the choice for his family over this awesome new job that he's actually good at. So there's still mm. a, a family connection in there. There still is an element of heart and an element of putting Homer in that dilemma where he has to choose his own happiness for his families. Yeah, I guess. it's just For me, it's just like the family moves away Funny shit happens, the family doesn't like her, so they move back home again. And then it ends with the stupid grandpa turning into a woman. Oh, no, it's not that one. That's the Cape, uh, that's Cape Fear, isn't it? That's Cape Fear, yeah. Yeah, no, this one ends with the Denver Broncos, yeah. Denver Broncos. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a hilarious episode, but I think some people hold it in higher regard. Than, not that what it deserves. I don't know, it, just, it depends what you want from a Simpsons episode, I guess. It does, but I don't think if you look through the rest of season eight that you're going to pick a better one. Yeah, you're right. There is for me. I do like the Springfield Files, but it is by no means as good as You Only Move Twice. You're right. Yeah, is- like I, I mean, that's a personal joy, and I love the yeah. Springfield Files as well. And this is not to say that these episodes aren't good, but and it's not to say that You Only Move Twice is the best, like quantifiably the best episode ever made. But I just don't think that they ever make one as good as that again. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. It's it's like Lee Matthews when he had that, um, you know. Uh, 40 touches, seven goal game against North Melbourne going back uh, in the 70s. Like, sure, Lee Matthews played great games again, but he never played that great a game again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything below that was like, oh, that was great. Yeah, but it wasn't as good as that one though, was yeah. it? Yeah. Lance Franklin, 13 against North Melbourne. Like, he'd probably, overall, he'd probably played better games prior to that as well, even though he didn't kick as many goals, but he's never done it since. Like, yeah. it's just that thing of like, if you're watching the career chart of Lance Franklin, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the one where he kicks 13. Everything he's done since is just not 13. <laughs> like, and, that's that's kind of how it is. And I think that's why, because a lot of people complain saying, why have you never brought back Hank Scorpio? Well, I think that's probably why, because no matter what he does or says when they, when he comes back, he's never going to be as funny as he is in You Only Move Twice. And, yeah, you're always go- and you're always going to compare it to it. And it's also not something that Albert Brooks has done. It's not like he's a staff actor. It's a, he's a guest star. So, you get the feeling that with Albert, a big part of the fun is to create a new character every time. I will say, though, I feel like putting Hank Scorpio into the Simpsons movie would have made it a classic. Uh, getting rid of the weird bit in Alaska would have made it a classic. Didn't need that, Hank Scorpio. That Russ Cargill was fine. That and again, because of Albert Brooks, like, Russ is actually still pretty funny. It's the 10-minute hallucination sequence that makes no sense oh, and yeah, doesn't need to be there yeah, that, that ruins the Simpsons movie. Yeah, that was... Not ruins, but stops it from being any more than three out of five stars. Yep, true. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed our review of Treehouse of Horror 7. I hope we filled it out and padded it out as much as we possibly could. As we said, next week we've got You Only Move Twice, so we'll just do a new mailbag. Maybe we'll do a new intro as well. But besides You Only Move Twice, what episodes do you think you're most looking forward to reviewing? Well, Mountain of Madness is definitely one that, okay, uh, yep, that jumps out at me. Possibly The Old Man and Lisa as well. I like the way that that backfires on Lisa. 
I'll tell you the one that I'm probably the least looking forward to is Lisa's date with density. And that's nothing to do with it being focused on Lisa. It's all to do with it being focused on Nelson. But that... Uh, so on, yeah, on Nelson. Nelson that yeah. might surprise me. It's been a long time since I've gone back, but I do remember not being particularly fond of it. I don't think the Simpsons spin-off showcase is going to have much for us to talk about. Like, whilst the stories are funny, it's similar to a Treehouse of Horror. It's just... Mm. They're spin-offs, so you can't really delve into them too much. Yeah, He's slowly um, getting away, Chief. Yes, I'm looking forward to Homosphobia. Now, uh, the director of that episode, Mike B. Anderson, is keen to come on to have a chat with us to discuss the episode and its impact uh, on pop culture. Yeah, that'd be excellent. But until then, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? We need to podcast upwards, not backwards or downwards. What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> We're twirling I'm, towards something. 